appreciation. Mother's Day is a very, we, I'm glad they set one day aside, but you know, I say this every year, I've said it before I even pastored, because I, I've always felt this, the work of a mother is, is never not done. They, they, they are the most sometimes overlooked, underappreciated uh, for the work that they do. There's a lot of scripture that goes into what a mother does in a home and protecting it. And if there's ever a day that we need to appreciate them, not just on Mother's Day, but every day you get a chance, regardless of our feelings or one to another, family dynamics, we ought to thank God every day that there was a mother that took care of us and got us where we are today. Y'all ready to have a little bit of church today? Why don't we start right now? Just lift your hands all across this building and let's begin to worship the Lord and entertain His presence here today.
take advantage of the liberty that we have today. And as a body, lift our hands and lift our voices and just give God praise for a moment. Why don't we clap our hands and just give praise because he's worthy to be praised. We've come together to be unified one with another, to be able to lift up our hearts unto him, that his glory would come, that his word would be made manifest. Why don't we lift our voices and just give a shout of praise unto him because he's worthy. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful for all of you that are here today. Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. Uh, I think we're all pretty grateful that we have mothers. Amen. I don't think anybody, any one of us would be here without a mother. That was a joke. Amen. Uh, just as a reminder, we will not be having service tonight. Uh, we'll be No service tonight. Also, immediately after service in the foyer, uh, for all of our mothers that are here, we have a gift that we'd like to give to you. Um, so please don't leave without that. We'll be there in the foyer handing those out after service. Uh, and today is our we're going to be taking our Mother's Memorial offering. Um, it's something we do every year on Mother's Day. What Mother's Memorial does is it goes to uh, Tupelo's Children Mansion, which is a uh, orphanage here in the UPCI, uh, the Boys Ranch which is another orphanage for the boys here in Louisiana. And it goes to just about every department in the UPCI. But Mother's Memorial supplies that. So it is an offering that we believe in, that we support. And so that's what we're giving to today. If you would earmark your checks, if you would like the Holy Ghost to give to that cause today. So if you're ready to do so, I'd invite you to continue your worship as we give. If you come and give before the Lord today. shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Malachi 3, 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say wherein have we robbed me? In tithes and offerings. Upon the authority of your word I have given, and it shall be given unto me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I am a tither, and I bring my tithe and offering today into your storehouse. Therefore the enemy is rebuked, and the curse is broken. We live under an open heaven. And you pour out upon me such a blessing that there is not enough room to receive it. We receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates and inheritances, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts demolished and royalties received. My whole family saved in walking with God, perfect health and abundance to walk in divine favor and blessing. I am blessed going in and I am blessed going out. And all that I do will prosper in Jesus' name. We say amen together. 
don't we lend our hearts to him lend our minds to him and just for the next few minutes why don't we give everything we have to the king of glory today we've come to worship him why don't we lift our hands and our voices and let's continue our worship to him
On that day, all of hell rejoiced because it thought that it had accomplished what it set to do, and that was to stop Jesus Christ. It thought that if we got rid of him, our problem would be solved. But what it failed to understand is that you will never outsmart God. And no matter how intellectually ascent or we ascent to the enemy, the devil, the government, people, we will never outsmart God's plan. Because what it could not see was when they crucified him on that cross and they drove those stakes into his hands and feet. Every time it hit, a drop of blood dropped. And what they thought were getting rid of one opened the door to countless millions of people. I'm trying to stretch somebody's faith here today. The he hell ain't in charge of nothing. God's in charge of it all. He's in charge of the government. He's in charge of the social system. He's in charge of your health. He's in charge of your addiction. And at any given moment, one drop of that blood could change your situation. And you have the freedom of life again. about the power of the blood for those of you that are familiar and have experienced the liberating power of the blood touching your life you'll recognize this statement that I'm about to make something changed in this service because you know what just happened the enemy just got served notice by the power of the blood that there's not one addiction that's greater than the power of the blood I'm going to say it real firm and, and secure. Depression has no authority over you. The power of the blood is greater. Drug addiction and alcohol has no authority over you. The power of the blood is greater. Suicide has no authority over you. The blood is greater. There's nothing that the blood can't do when it touches your life to change it. You say, well... You don't understand. You don't know where I am. Let me tell something. something. I wasn't raised on a Pentecostal pew. I wasn't raised really in no church. But I was bound. And when that preacher got to preaching about the blood, it touched my life. It changed everything. So that's one thing. I got a testimony that says it works. It works. It works. Sunday school, y'all better get out of here before I forget about you. God love our teachers and kids. What God's doing in our Sunday school classes. All our guests, we're so glad you're here today to be with your mother. Mother's Day. You know you made that day. 
said it already to all the moms I want you to know that hopefully somebody told you today how much you're appreciated and if not let this congregation serve as a witness we appreciate what you do that's why we do these little gift things you know that's every church does it par for the course I guess but the reason people do that kind of stuff or churches do that is just to kind of give you a small token we appreciate what you do the role that you play it's so so valuable you got your Bibles Mark it's three accounts of this story but today I want to just focus on Mark's gives us a little bit more insight to this than Matthew does and even John I thought John would have really dug this down uh, but Mark is the one that, that gives us some details Mark chapter 14 and starting with verse 1 <clears throat> after two days was the feast of Passover and of unleavened bread and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box, poured it on his head. And there came, or there were some that had indignation. That word indignation means not just anger, but the root word of it is they crossed their arms. And they looked at her with disdain. And there were some that had disdained within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the anointment made? For it might have been sold for more than a hundred pence and have been given to the poor their line. And they murmured against her. They didn't care about the poor. There was an interior motive that they had. The root cause in their spirit. And Jesus knew it. And he wanted to talk about it. I want to talk today. Again, I think most of you know me enough. Visitors, you may not. But I'm going to do what I feel the Holy Ghost is, is giving me for today. So for a conventional Mother's Day message, message they may have some out there on YouTube. I'm going to tell you what I feel God's challenging us with today. And we'll fit some women in here and, and make it kind of halfway, but we're going to do what the Holy Ghost wants. I want to preach today proximity or power. Proximity 
our power. If you would, lift your hands and let's ask God to talk to us today. Jesus, I need the help of the Holy Ghost. Your word is already anointed. Speak to us today. Encourage God, fathers, mothers, family, whoever it is under the sound of my voice today. God, you're no respecter of persons. And God, we honor mothers today, but most of all, we honor you. You are the one that we stand to attention for and give our heart and our praise and our worship to. God, help us today. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. Life has a way, has a very unique way of challenging our faith, challenging our whole belief system in what really matters in life. Trouble, Bible talks about man is born into trouble. From the time that you and I take our first breath, we're already into an element of trouble. Trouble. It's part of humanity. It's the part of you and I that we wish that we could just kind of get out of it. We wish that there would be maybe a utopia world that I just wouldn't have no trouble. That's what makes heaven so great. That there's a place eventually in eternity I'm going to spend that, that there's not going to be no more tears. There's not going to be no more hurt. There's not going to be no more sorrow. I don't know about you, but just even mentioning those few things kind of just does something in my heart today that there's not going to be any more worry. There's not going to be any more fear. There's not going to be no more anxiety. There's not going to be any more depression. There's not going to be anything. It's going to be peaceful. But life is full of ups and downs. Life is full of heartache and hardships. And, and, and no matter what you and I do to try to alleviate, uh, eliminate it, it will be to no avail. Do your best. Live right. Because it, it, it's not just even, I said, respect your person. It doesn't matter how right you are. You're still going to face trouble. Doesn't matter how good you are. You're going to face trouble. It doesn't matter how many, how, how, how much you've prepared and been a great mother, a great father. You're still going to have trouble. It rains on the just and the unjust. And in all of these gettings of trying to find a remedy for my soul, my heart, my aching mind sometimes, I turn to things that I think are going to bring me a solace for my soul. I've used this before and I've said it before kind of just in, in passing because, man, just if I go get something new, it's going to make things better. Come on, ladies, right there. Y'all should have just nudged your husband and said, see, if I'd have got that dress today, I'd be better. I wouldn't be in a bad mood. If I just get something that could kind of take away what I'm feeling in here. If I could just get something tangible or, or do something, if I could exert some power, then just maybe I could find something that would cause my ups to be a little bit more consistent and my downs to be a little bit less. 
I don't know if I'm preaching to people here today, but I know I've lived a part of my life in the early beginnings that, that, that there was a whole lot of downs and not enough ups. It felt like more the more I did good, the more things went wrong. The more I tried to live right, the more things got harder and more difficult and more challenging. And really all along what God was trying to show me is it's nothing you can do in your own power. It's your proximity to me that changes everything. It's not power that changes you. This I said, if I woke up one day, it'll be a fleeting moment of happiness if I exercise power to do something for myself. It's going to pass. It doesn't stay. That's why you can, I've said it, I don't know how many times, you get a new car. First thing you ought to do is just go scratch it. Come on, somebody, get honest. Because if somebody else does it at the parking lot, you're going to be fussing and cussing. My God, I parked a mile away. How in the world did they find me out here? I'll tell you how. The enemy knows just how to take your eyes and say, you don't need to put your trust in the things that you have. You need to put your trust in the presence of God that's around you, that's able to keep you through everything that you go through. Let me help somebody from the very beginning of this message. There ain't one thing you and I can have that's going to ever bring us true happiness. But if I can get his presence in the fullness of his presence is a element of joy. Peace. Hope, happiness, it only comes by being in his presence. It doesn't come from organizational efforts. It doesn't come from structural efforts. I'm all for order, but when I put my confidence in something that is more man-made and man-made orchestrated... I'm only setting myself up for... That's why many people don't come to church. They put their confidence in a church. And people offended them and people hurt them. So now they can't live for God because of what somebody did in the church. Instead of looking, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about them. It's not about the government. It's not about the society. It's not about what this world is coming to. It's about what's come to this world. The presence of God means more to you and I than anything on the face of the planet. And when I realize my proximity to that presence is what changes everything. It's easy, though, to associate with things of power. It's easy to do that. Because there's certain elements that power brings. It would be like the governor walking in here today. I'll give honor to the office. Something in my eye. Goodness. Something in my eye. I give honor to the office. I've got to respect the office. You have to. Whether you agree with the man or not, I'm not getting into politics, but you've got to honor the office. Those that God has allowed to be rule. But if someone, if he walked in, power. Now for some, I know, you wouldn't give him mouth to mouth if he had a heart attack. Just being candid, okay? I'm not trying to be political. But for some, hear me, 
they would run to his side, not because they like him or love him or know him. They were run to his side because it's a power affiliation. It's a power affiliation. It's something of what he can do for me. P- political moves. Roy, you'll get a kick out of this one. It's the world we came from. Political. And that's great, but it was about power. It was about who you know that can pull me out of things. See, here the, you got this little lady. Nice shirt. You got this lady that she cared less about people and more about God. See, this is what makes a preacher's job so heavy at times. Because it's this lesson, this message, this type of understanding that causes people to come to crossroads. What do I do? Do I... Do I quickly respond and go to, or do I stay in the things of power that I can control? See, and here what we have here is, find me that, Sister Tanya, Mark uh, 14, start with one, just for amusement, put it there, one. Here's the group of people, Brother Tyrone, group of men that have all things together. They've got Jesus in a corner He's mine. He's, he's, this is me and And you got this lady that busts into the joint and just messes everything up. Don't nudge your husband. Because she didn't mess it up. She taught them a lesson of proximity versus power. Because they had it all figured out. Here's the backdrop of it. It's Passover. Started on the 14th. 15th, 11 bread starts. You know what 11 bread symbolized for the Jews? It was a time of consecration for the priest. The priest went under an anointing or came under an anointing to prepare them for the service that's about to come. So here's what unleavened signifies. One, consecration to the priest. Number two, it was a vow vow of separation. He's saying, you think Jesus picked this day to show up at Simon's house because he didn't have nowhere to go? God does never do anything by accident. If he ever does something in me in your life, then God purposed it on this day to do exactly what he intended to do. If he intended to deliver you and I, then it was on heaven's calendar from the very beginning. God doesn't make an accident. God doesn't create an accident. That's why we're against abortion. There is no accidents. And to abort it from the, I don't care if it's from the day. Life started at the point of conception, period. But this world is saying power. Why? Because it can put more money in their pockets. It can do things for them that will satisfy the lust of the flesh and things of their own agenda. Proximity or power? The church is in the middle. Proximity or power? Do I hunger more for him and get closer to him in proximity? Or do I point in this direction and fulfill the things of my own liking?
what I want on my own. It's unleavened. It's a vow. It's a time of separation. Jesus showed up to this house for one reason. There was going to be a woman that was going to show up in that house. And she was going to teach them men what it's like to worship. Man, this has been a good Father's Day message. Consider this Father and Mother's Day. It was a vow of separation. It didn't end there. Here's the other thing it meant. It meant servitude. So Jesus is showing up, and like he does so well, he's setting the stage for an illustrated lesson. And he's going to show them. This is a special day, but it ain't about unleavened bread. It ain't about the Passover. He came to fulfill all of that. He said, I'm going to show you what supersedes all of that. I'm going to do it on a day that you revere the most. It's kind of like today. We, Mother's Day is just that's, just, that's just what we do. We're going to be with our mothers today. We're going to be with, it's a day marked. But here's what you got to see. It's more than just a Mother's Day. It's a day that the Lord has made for somebody in this building that he's challenging you and I on this day when our nation is in a, in a divide. Our world is in conflict. We've got world wars in Russia and Ukraine, and it's only the beginning. China's about to come. Russia ain't going to sleep, and nothing's going to change. It's going to be war after war after war. Why? Because there's a day marked on a heavenly calendar that Jesus is coming back soon and he's going to be looking for a church that decided I want proximity over power. I want to be close to God in this dark hour not close to my own darkened will. He says go to verse 2 and they said not on the feast day. Do you see their thinking Jesus you, 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 you are doing something that's breaking tradition. It'd be kind of like me not preaching a Mother's Day message. There's an uproar of the people. Well, this is just the way we always do it. Power of proximity. Do I allow the way I've always lived my life? I'm going to bring it real down. Do I let the pain of yesterday dictate your future? Do I let what my mom and my dad did to me when I was growing up, the wrong or the injustices that were done by my family, the molestation or the sexual abuse or the lack of a father figure or mother figure? In my, do I let my past hurt determine now whether I get proximal to him or I just do life my own way? Do I let the pain of yesterday dictate my promise for tomorrow. Do I let what people did to me and how they mistreated me hold that in my spirit? Watch. This is the disciples. We got it all under control. I got it under control. Nobody even knows what I really feel inside. I said, don't do this on the feast day. You're going to mess everything up. Next verse. You're going to mess it all up. And Jesus says, let me show you something. Let's go take a visit. We're going to head on down to Simon. We're going to show up at the house of a leper. 
We're going to go to somebody's house that nobody wants to visit. We're going to go to somebody's abode that nobody even cares about. I'm preaching to somebody here today. You think that God don't know where you are? I'm telling you today by this message, God knows exactly where you are. He knows who you are. He knows what you did yesterday. He knows what you're going to do even tomorrow. And one thing he's asking for today, can I be proximal to him and say, God, I want to get closer to you in this day other than letting my own mindset We can't go to that house. I wonder if at that moment, Jesus and all the boys, you know, the boys, the group. Are you out your mind? What is he doing? Who does he think he is, God? Waiting on some of y'all, y'all. Thank you, Brother Mark. What's he doing going to their house? Let me tell you, Jesus erases the line that we put around ourselves. We put walls around ourselves and say, they're never going to hurt me again. People will never hurt me again. Situations will never hurt me again. Like I started, life will never hurt me again. You hear me. Life is going to hurt you again. People are going to hurt you again. Things are going to get done. You say, Benoit, I ain't never going to your church. You're the most negative person I ever met. No, I'm just being realistic because you and I are born into trouble. There's always going to be a conflict within me and you to do right and do wrong. There's always going to be a war. Paul said, when I know to do right, I don't do it. When I know to do wrong, that I do. And there's a war. And that ain't never going to go away until I make heaven. So the battle I face, Brother Roger, is today. Do I go to power and what my things can get me, my intellect, my education, my family, my money, my last name, my opulence, can I use that? Or do I just look at it and go, that's the blessings of the Lord, but I'm not going to abuse that. I'm going to turn today and say God I want your presence more than anything in this world this weekend I was able I heard a message Brother Bushnell was there I heard a message you got one of them handkerchiefs up there again a message was uh, old elder preacher he got up he said thank you his whole message it was a great meeting I heard several of them but you know what the whole whole message that he kept saying about David was the presence of God. The presence of God. The presence of God. The presence of God. 80-year-old man, 78-year-old man, he said the presence of God. The presence of God. In other words, at that age of life, Brother Markintel, he realized nothing matters other than do I have the presence of God and am I close enough to him that when life, as I said, when life throws you the curve, and it will, Am I close enough to God to navigate the challenge? Or have I lived my life so far from His presence that when life throws it and I get the verdict of cancer, well, then we're going to call for the prayer warriors of the church. Then we're going to get our name on the board. I know a scripture that says God would rather us go to heaven blind than healed. Oh, God. You don't want us to be healed. It's not what I'm saying. 
God cares more about my soul and my proximity to his presence than anything else. That's why, Brother Forrest, God may heal my back. He may not. But you know what? I can still make heaven with a broke back as long as I stay in his presence. Come on, let's go quick. She said, go, ahead, go, on, no, wait, wait, go back to that one. You did good. Let me go to that right there. He sat at meat, and there came a woman with an alabaster box. Here's what she did. That alabaster, it wasn't a box, it was, a, it was like a, a vial. It wasn't a box. And it was, alabaster's clear. She came and she took this thing. Brother Joe, that, that, that spikenard was a year worth of wages. Now, if I ask somebody here today, if the Lord told you to give your yearly wages to missions, now that'd be a few because that's how much you love God. But for the majority of us, That would be a tough bill to sell. That'd be tough. Be tough if the Lord came and said, I need you to give everything you own to me. Now get out of your mind right there at the church. Because everybody think right there, Benoit's about to take an offering. I ain't taking an offering. God don't need, we, we, we think God needs our money. God will raise up somebody in Cambodia, bring them here, and they'll make a software product, and they'll go through the roof. They'll build it right there in Elton and make millions. God can do anything. God don't need me, and he don't need you. We're privileged to be a part of that. So here's, here's my point. In all that we do in our getting and trying to pursue we got to make sure she took what was the most important in her life. You say, well, that's the Bible days. That's, that's don't apply. The principle's the same. It's the same. It don't change. And she took the box, the canister, the vial, and she didn't just take it and go, Jesus, I give it to you. She didn't bring him the alabaster container and say, my humble servant, I give it to you. She did not present it to him. She came to him and took it and broke it. My question, Riley, is, is how did she break it? It was thin. It was very easy to break, but did she literally take it and just, because of her adamancy for getting close to his presence. See, what I see in this so clearly, Brother Wade, is I see a mama, a lady, a human being that was tired of the ups and downs of life. And it took her teaching a group of skilled fishermen, tax collector, educated people. It took a woman that the Bible says does not have any of the such. But she had passion to get in his presence. And to that individual that's willing to break whatever it takes, whether it be a past that you can't ever get rid of, whether it be mistakes of yesterday and failures of yesterday, why don't you take that alabaster box of your past and say, I break it before the Lord. I'm never going back. Paul said it like this. 
Nothing shall separate me from the love of God, neither things present nor things to come. Paul never mentioned his past. Neither things present nor things can come to come shall separate me from the love of God. The reason Paul never mentioned his past is because Paul knew if he got to dwelling on his past, what was Paul's past? Paul was a murderer. And Paul never, never went back to where he was. And he said, the only thing that can get me out of the love of God is if I start dwelling on how no good I am. If I start dwelling on I'm not good enough for God. If I start dwelling on I'll never qualify. I'll never. God could never love somebody like me. If I start dwelling on that. It's going to separate me from his love. But if I can take the present right now and say, no, God, I'm not good enough. Yes, God, I am a sinner. I say that every day as the preacher. God, forgive me a sinner. Forgive me of things I've done. Forgive me of things I've said. Forgive me of things I've pondered in my heart. Why? Because I want to make sure nothing in my life separates me from the presence of God. And the only thing that can separate me and you from the presence of God is sin. But we sang about it in the beginning of this service. If it had not been for the blood. The blood can be applied to your life, to my life. That blood can redeem us. That blood can wash me clean. And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. I can't get rid of my sin until the blood's been applied. The Bible very clearly says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Where is the blood applied? Do I sign a church card? Do I get somebody to touch me on my head? Do I get a, a cloth? Do I touch some, some, some thing? Is that what gets the blood applied? Not according to scripture. One place without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Then Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So what Peter was saying is if you want the blood applied, there's got to be repentance and there's got to be baptism in Jesus' name. That's where the blood's applied. If there's no immersion, there's no application of blood. I can't come to the presence of God as long as there's sin. But if you and I realize he made a way for sin through his blood. You say, Ben Wall, that just, you just spitting and veins popping out for what? I'm trying to tell somebody from the Word of God, not some Bible school theology, not some training I got, but from the Word of God perspective. Nothing can stop you from the presence of God except sin. And this woman was willing, Brother Fontenot, to take her life savings. And break it. Musicians come. Y'all come. Just kind of all your keys. Because in 10 minutes, I see the runway. That precious, precious woman. I wish there would have been more backdrop. I've read it. I've read John. I've read. And then there's a question, even John's account. Really, Matthew and Mark are the two focused ones. But what was it in that woman? That she was willing to go against the opinion of the crowd. What was it, Brother Wade? That she didn't care about people's opinion? Man, that's a strong woman. I know men that ain't that strong. 
Women, y'all should have clapped right there. My God. I know men that ain't that strong. I'm not ditching on men. Adam was created first. Don't forget that. <laughs> oh, come on, you guys. It's Mother's Day. What was it in that little lady that she looked at that crowd of men, Sister Becky, who was intimidating? Because back then, I'm sorry, there was no women's freedom. She defied everything to get proximal to him. And she took her power, what was in the box, Roy, her money, everything she owned, she took her power and said, it don't matter at the expense of me not having your presence. She defied the power. She defied the people. She defied the pressure. She defied everything. Folks, I don't know about you. I know I'm the preacher and I got the mic today, but you hear me. There's something welling in my spirit saying, you know what? None of that matters. People's opinion don't matter. What you think about me don't matter. Nothing matters other than what God says about me and you. I'm going to do my best to follow peace with all men. I'm going to do my best to get along with everybody. But when it comes to the word of God, nothing should cause you and I to settle. Nothing, nothing. And that little sweetheart took that. There was no super glue. You wasn't putting it back together because she knew, I believe, Sister Carmen, there was something that that box represented, that, that, that container. It represented something, Sister Becky. It wasn't just about something she kept on the shelf. It was something that I really believe every day she'd walk by and go, Man, I got, I got that as my plan B. She passed by and go, Boy, I'm glad I got. See, boy, you let, let the kids throw me out. I got my alabaster. It was, it was something to her that meant the world. And she shows up and she breaks it. Bible says it was very precious. Precious is subjective. I'm not talking about a kid. Well, there's a little precious. No. Because even that's subjective. <laughs> Come on, three people, say amen on that. Precious ain't precious to everybody. You can tell I'm in trouble. It was precious to her. And what's precious to you. That's why you ever go to the garden. You know it never said what, the garden, what Eve took. Was it an apple, orange, cantaloupe, watermelon, tangerine? It never said. It said the fruit. Why? Fruit subjective. What was her fruit downfall or the downfall, that was her fruit. Whatever it was that appealed to her was her downfall. So what is it that appeals and causes you and I to go closer to, to our... When I say power, let me define what it may, in case I didn't. I'm talking about self-reliance. Because you hear me, it's going to get to a day, the economy is going to go belly up. Social security is going to go belly up. There's gonna, that's just biblical. It's going to happen. So will I have all, put everything in my own right now? 
I ain't got no 401ks, but I hear everything's bellied up on that. I've talked to people, they've lost almost $150,000 in, in, in stocks. I ain't got none, I mean. <laughs> but hey, but they're upset. And that's great. I'm not against 401k. God bless you. Here's my point. If I put my trust in that, when it takes a nosedive, you're going to take a dive off the 210 bridge. That's what happened in Golden Gate in San Francisco. When the whole Silicon Valley, I mean, that's where we were, San Jose. Man, it's, it's, it's microprocessing chips and um, keyboards, all that stuff. And when it took a nosedive, Golden Gate Bridge was where everybody hung out. Whew. They jumping left and right. Literally, they had to put officers there to watch because when it took a nosedive, all their stock went down. And because they put their trust in that, their life now went with it. God never intended for us to be that way. He intended for us to, to say, God, your presence. I'm not telling you today, empty your 401k. Don't misread. I'm not after your money. Here's what I'm after. You and I realizing nothing matters but the presence of God. Next verse, and we go. Musicians, come. I'm, I'm done. And there were some. Here it is. This is what came to me yesterday in my office last night. When she broke it, here's what they did. Who does she think she is? Watch. Here's what they could have said. Woman, you went too far. It don't take all that living for God, raising hands. It don't. You're going too far. No, what you understand, and what we need to understand, and what I had to understand, Brother Ed, is when I first came to a Pentecostal church and I watched people raise their hands and running, I thought for a minute there they were really crazy. But life, Brother Ed, brought me to a place where I was in a deep valley. And just on that day, Brother Bushnell, I thought to myself, I might just try what they're doing. Because right now what I'm doing ain't really working for me. I'm suffering with this and this and this and mental this and this and this. So I lifted my hand, Sister Luna. Boy, and I felt something. And then from there, I felt a little something else in my feet. I felt free. I felt something kind of pulling me. You know what was happening? Jesus showed up at a leper's house. I was the leper. I was the one that really I thought I had it together and I really didn't, Brother Forrest. And Jesus shows up. Isn't it neat how smart he is and how dumb I am? We won't get no amens on that one because we don't want to admit. But how smart he is and how we think we got it all together. But you know, even in my thinking, I'm got it together. Jesus still shows up and says, but you don't understand. There's something in your heart that's sick. And I'm going to show up to help you. And when she did, they got mad and said, you took this too far, woman. And really all she was trying to do was, was get closer to him at whatever the cost. Some things you and I are going to do in our reaching for God. It's not going to make sense to people. But that's why I said, how much does it really matter in the big picture? I said it this before, Brother Ed. I'll pick on you. The average lifespan for a man is about 80. 80. You're still trucking. You're still trucking. 
Here's the kicker. What about before and after? I got 80 years to try to find the presence of God or connect to the presence of God. I got that amount of time, rough give or take. What I do with it, Brother Ed, that's what matters. 81 years old. 80, how old? 86? My God. And still smiling. Stand with me. Lifting hands. Well, folks, maybe next year I'll do a Mother's Day message per se. But I know today in the Holy Ghost, God's asking somebody, no matter who you are, He's asking me. He asked me last night, 11 o'clock at night again, how bad do you want my presence? You know, because I even, believe it or not, Brother Wade, I've been in places and said, Lord, I don't want to preach that. Let me preach a message that just kind of makes everybody smile. Today, you better be smiling today. Today's a smiling message. But there's been times it wasn't that way. God asked me to walk up to somebody and pray with them. It wasn't a good message. But you know what? In all of it, he asked me, he said, how bad do you want my presence? I said, Lord, I want it more than the breath that's in my body. I'm sorry. That may upset somebody here today, but it may upset my wife. I pray for her. But you know what? I don't really care. I'm not, I'm not about her. I'm talking about me. Nothing matters. Brother Bushnell, I know you're there. You're right there with me. If our kids can be saved and family and church people that, that are, if, if they can be saved, you know what? That's all that matters. Is there anybody here today that you realize, God, I need to be more in your presence. And I'll break my box. I'll break my vibe. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Visitors, I invite you all to come. But you know what? I understand you've got other churches you go to. But I'm asking for my church family today. Indian Village Church family. I want you to step out of that pew today. Visitors, again, if you want to come, you come. But there's no, I want church family to come. Because I feel the presence of God is pulling people today. He's pulling people today. And if you want God's presence just to pull you into a closer place, that's what's happening right now in this place right now. The presence of God is in this altar. Come on, somebody come break the box. Come on, some break the box of your past. Break the box of situations that didn't go right that you thought should have gone right. Come on, it's a new day. It's a new season for somebody. She set the tempo for them disciples to learn something from that moment. Today's that day for somebody. Come on, just lift your hands. Come on, that's in the Bible. That's not a Pentecostal thing. The Bible says lift your hands, all ye people. Lift your voice with that hand. That's the greatest dimension is that I lift my voice and I begin to say, Jesus, I love you today. God, I want to break the box. I need healing in my body, my mind, my family. My... God, I just need a miracle today. God's here today to do that miracle for you.